The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Today we'll be talking about taking responsibility for your people and your country. Taking responsibility for your people and for your country. What exactly do we mean by responsibility? Responsibility connotes duty. And it requires a measure of control. You see, I can accept responsibility to pray. But I cannot accept responsibility for raising the dead. Because I do not have full control over whether the dead is raised. God may choose to do that or he may choose not to do that. Therefore, you need to be clear what you can take responsibility for and what you cannot take responsibility for. Amen? You see, naturally, every citizen of every country has some responsibility for his country. Those things are called civic responsibilities. But there are many aspects of responsibility and we look at three key ways that responsibility can come about. The first thing is that you can be given responsibility and you may refuse to take it. Okay? I can say you watch this boy don't let him run out onto the street. So I'm giving you responsibility for the boy. And you may choose to be engrossed on watching TV and you refuse to take the responsibility. Another thing, you can be given a responsibility and you take it. Whether you take it willingly or unwillingly, or you can take it. And then nobody may give you a particular responsibility, but you can take it upon yourself. You are free to assume responsibility at your own choice. That is part of your limited sovereignty. Let's look at some examples of people that are given some responsibilities. Look at Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, God called him very young. He said, look, right from before, while you were in your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Amen. Many of us are ordained to be things even before we were born. Even before we were able to make any choice. Even before we were able to make any choice. Glory be to God. Amen. Now John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Amen. Jesus 
was born of a virgin because God was giving him responsibility to be the lamb that is to be slain for our sins. So, he was a tool. He was a chosen tool in the hands of God. Many of us similarly have already been chosen by God to do sometimes very fantastic things, very unbelievable things. It does not mean that you will have two heads. You are not required to have two heads. To have been chosen by God from eternity, from the beginning of creation for a very mighty task. Don't think those things belong to other people. Amen? John had parents, had a family. Jesus had parents, had a family. They had brothers. They had sisters. The brothers of Jesus kept looking at him and at one stage they said, this guy is crazy. They said, this guy is crazy. My father and I are one. Before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> and the brothers will look and say, now for our brother Jesus, honestly, now for have you been hearing what he has been saying? They didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in him. Listen, whether people believe in you or God's mission for your life has nothing to do with God's plan for your life. It has nothing to do with how well you will succeed in fulfilling God's plan for your life. Stop looking to human beings for validation. Amen? Your validation must come from God. Your validation must come from God. You may look very ordinary. You may feel very ordinary. But you have a peculiar calling on your life. There's a peculiar purpose for your life. Most of the time, it's known only between you and God. In the case of Jesus, the mother knew that this child was different. This child was separate. Because she knew, she was privy to certain undeniably mighty and unusual things relating to his conception. She knew she was a virgin. And she conceived. She remembered the things that God said. Glory be to God. She had not seen any miracle, but she knew. And she knew for sure that he had the power to perform miracles. She knew this was God in the flesh. She knew this was the son of God. As she was bringing up, bringing him up, as she was cleaning his poo as she was cooking for him, she knew this is God in the flesh. And she was able to manage the two. Many of you, 
assuming that there's somebody here that you are worrying God by blaming yourself for what is not your fault. You see, you are not God. You don't have control over everything. You are beginning to listen to the devil. He's beginning to bring you down. You're blaming yourself for what is not your fault. Let God release you. Release yourself from this unnecessary blame. You understand? You will know if you are the one that God is talking about. And if you want to discuss it with me, discuss it with me after. But this is destructive. This is destructive. You are not God. And we all will face challenges in life. Amen? So, go on. So, Mary was so sure of the power of Jesus that before he has performed any miracle, he was re- she was referring people to him. Whatsoever he says to you, do it in respect of wine that had finished. Amen? That was because Jesus knew who he was. Mary knew who Jesus was. Stop looking at events because events don't override the word of God. Do you understand? Do you understand? When things happen to you that make you look very, very ordinary, remember they don't override the word of God, they don't override the promise of God. Okay? So, John the Baptist, we said he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And some Nigerian experts are also brought in to come to the country to do certain things because of their expertise. And sometimes they take a great cut in their pay. They are doing it for the country. You may think that the country is ungrateful. But the truth is that because God has set you up here and given you some responsibility, where the country appears not to be able to reward you, God himself will reward you. Do you understand? God himself will reward you. You know, many times Jesus said that what the things that you have done to the least of this, you have done to who? To him. Amen? Okay. So, now, has God put some responsibility on you? Did he give you some responsibility for your people? Let's look at the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, part 7 to 40. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What you may not notice is this. If you love God, you will want God to be happy. You will want to please God. And you will want your environment to be pleasurable to God. You will want your country, your home, your city, your children, 
to be in a way that glorifies God. So, you will take some responsibility for bringing in godliness. Do you understand? So, you, have, you do have responsibility for your environment. Okay? And God gave us specific collective responsibility as follows. Jeremiah 29, 7. Walk for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. That's New Living Translation. If you look at it in King James, seek the peace of the city which I have caused you to be carried away captive to. Pray unto the Lord for it, for the peace thereof shall be your peace. Does it say wish for the peace of the city? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It says seek. The implication of seek is that you are to do certain things. You are to take action to make it happen. Many of us are too engrossed with our own daily lives, with our chores, with our daily bread, your work, your school, your children, your family, uh, food, and so many other things, you are so engrossed in these things that you do not have time for social responsibility. That means that you are being an island to yourself and you are not salting the nation that you are supposed to salt. And you are not serving as a light to those that God said you should shine as light to. So you must take inventory sometimes and pause and wonder to what extent are you affecting your environment for good? Are you succeeding in making a difference? Do you seek for the peace, for the prosperity of where you are. Now, look at your people, for example. You inherit blessings and curses from your family line. So, you should extend your cares to your family line, to the house of your father, the house of your mother, of your grandparents, to your little city. Exodus 34, 6 to 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, he began to introduce himself. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, that we by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. Amen? Why did God bother to go to that extent? Because some of these things are not obvious to us. They are not obvious. We are unrealistically insular. Insular. You're thinking of only you. 
your immediate family. You are forgetting to extend to your brother, sister, cousin, uncle, grandparents, the other people that come down your grandparents. You have a common heritage. What if a blessing or a curse is very active, is very powerful, relating to two or three generations before you? The Bible tells you that that's the way it works. If you are not doing anything about it, you will suffer unduly. Amen. Add these things to your menu of spiritual activity and spiritual concern. Add it. Glory be to God. Now, who exactly are your people? Family? Friends, tribe or ethnic group, they are your people. What is your nation? Nigeria is your nation. Africa is your extended nation. The entire black man is your extended nation. You need to understand the spiritual lot of these people. You need to Walk about it. Pray about it. Let's take the example of Jesus. Jesus started the gospel with the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came for the entire humanity. But he started his gospel. And the first people to which he sent his disciples were the entire lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 10, 5 to 6. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Many of us are lions to the people outside. But within our own family circumstances, we are like mice. We don't even squeal. We don't take authority. We don't take responsibility. We are just looking for them. We're looking at them. And many times we just pray, oh Lord, do something about them, you know, you know. They know me, a prophet has no honor in his own country, so go and bring somebody else and do the work. You hear me? Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Charity begins at home. Charity begins at home. Has your own charity begun at home? Amen? Have they begun at home? Start with your own children. With your own spouse. Your husband, your wife. Many people are very spiritual outside. But inside their house, you can't even recognize any Christianity there. Amen? I attended a wedding of uh, somebody that's like a daughter to me. I was looking at the whole thing, looking, 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 looking. Uh, okay. So the first time I saw husband and wife after their wedding, 
I said, I knew you people to be Christians. So. I've known you to be Christians. So. I came for your wedding. I didn't see Christ or anything Christ-like in anything at all. Other than what their church people did. Every other thing, they were exactly like the unbelievers. What kind of thing is that? If you're a Christian, be a Christian. If you're a child of God, be a child of God. If you're a saint, be a saint. In and out. How can you be something inside and be another thing outside? If you see the kind of jokes that they were cracking and the kinds of people they brought and uh, the husband, I saw him boozing real original alcohol. I said, at his wedding, I'm not saying uh, alcohol is wrong, go. Okay? Have some slight wine. Can take it occasionally. Many Christians say, just keep away from it. I don't have a problem with it. I never take it. I don't take it. I've hardly ever bought it for myself. So that's not what I'm saying. On your wedding, you are a child of God. Nah, Nancy, I mean, strong, real wine and all that. And he and the friends are boozing. What kind of nonsense is this? Who are you going to preach to? That guy can't preach to those friends. They can't preach to those friends. I have many friends and classmates that take a lot of alcohol. And one time when I was hosting them, many of them said, Ah, this party will not be easy. Now I said, Eh, eh. We are bringing our own wine and beer. And they brought it in their kitchen. said, no problem. It was a meeting of our set. So it was under the auspices of the set. And if I say, oh yeah, you must not drink it in my hand, then I will not host now. I don't stop them. And it is not a sin. Did you get what I'm saying? It's a good policy. Don't even have it. I did that for a long time. Do you understand? Don't even have it. Not because... I, listen. The communion wine was alcohol. I hope you know. I hope you know. I hope you know. I'm not teaching you alcohol, but it just comes out of that. I'm making a difference. Eh? The same people that, that I don't have a biblical objection to it also know that I'm not going to serve it to them at this stuff. So they brought their own. And of course, not as if any of them will get drunk. If you fixate on those things too much, you won't even be able to relate to them. You won't get the opportunity to talk to them. I've led many of these people to Christ because I, I maintained a rapport. I was not doing holier than thou. I was not doing holier than thou. I'm not holier than any person. But I'm saved by grace. If you're a Christian, be a Christian throughout. Do you understand? Draw the lines. They crack jokes that they should not crack to say, look, count me out of that. I don't, I don't want that. At certain things I say, I don't want this here. You can do it elsewhere, but you can't do it here. You can't do it here. Okay? A good girl came to visit one of my sons, and I know she's a Christian. 
And I called and said, come, do you know you are nearly naked? I said, I said, I'm seeing half of your bust now. I'm seeing half of your bust. Eh? The first two inches. I mean, what's the total length? And I'm seeing the total, I'm seeing the first two inches. What nonsense is this? I said, don't do it. I said, it can stop you from getting a husband. That if you have come to see my, my son as a potential wife, I'll call him and say, I should not, I must not see you with that girl again. Yes, no. Yes, no. We have to be different. You can't do everything the way the unbelievers do it. Do you understand? You can wear a skirt. It can reach here. There is a way it can be too tight on you and it doesn't look right. Look in the mirror now. Glory be to God. I'll be talking to Nigeria. I will keep that one last. I want you to learn two particular stories. And I didn't um, do that enough in the second worship experience. So I want to do it in this third worship experience. Um, those who were in the last service, raise up your hand. Okay. You are not entitled to answer the next question. If you know about finding house, raise up your hand. Those, like, like I said, those who are in the first service are not entitled. If you know about finding house, raise up your hand. Okay, put it down. If you don't know, if you don't know about finding house, raise up your hand. Raise up well. You don't know about finding house. Raise up your hand. Where? 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 Please. Quickly. Okay, good. Two. If you know about mirrors, raise up your hand. Mirrors. Okay. If you don't know about mirrors, raise up your hand. Raise up well. Very good. So most of us don't know about finding house and most of us don't know about mirrors. Let those be specific things that you're taking away from this service. We are talking of four examples of persons that took responsibility. Four examples of persons that took responsibility. One, finally has and his covenant of peace. Can I have NLT numbers 25, 1 to 18? Can I have CMM show that? And can I have can somebody take a mic, please, and read it to us? You can be reading it also from what CMM is showing. Because I want you to follow this very carefully. Because I want you to learn actionable lessons. So, a mic and a volunteer to read. Because we're going to read the entire chapter. A mic, CMM, a mic, and a volunteer to read. Volunteer? Yeah? That's a volunteer. Yes. Please give to the volunteer. Please read it. Loud, sharp. Now pay rapt attention. While 
the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with their local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. So the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal, of, of pure, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. The okay, Lord hang on there. Did you see? They began rioting and partying contrary to the rules of God, and they were hobnobbing with the heathen, the pagans in the land. They were doing like them, and God was angry. You understand? Hmm? He is still angry at some things that some of us are doing routinely. No doubt. Please go ahead. The Lord issued the following commands to Moses. Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight. So his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. Moses ordered Israel's judges. Each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshipping Baal of Peor. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a, a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people. As everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle, when, when Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and, and, the, and grandson of Aaron, the priest saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But not before 24,000 people had died. Hang on there. Hang on there. Many times, people are unable to connect the things that are breaking to their that, that are breaking their spirit to the spiritual root of it. People were dying. There was no war. And people were dying. There was no war. People were dying. And the dying was coming from God. Did you understand? It stopped early. As at the time it stopped, how many people had died? 24,000. That had husbands, wives, children, fathers, uncles, close friends, fiancés. They were dying and the killing was coming from God and the killing was because of the way the country and the people were living in sin and contrary to the word and ordinances of God. Be careful what you permit and what you tolerate. You are responsible for what is going on around you, even some things that you will ordinarily think you are not responsible for or you have no control over, you can suffer 
its consequences and repercussions. Is that clear? But Phinehas rose up and said, stop this nonsense. Don't bring the anger of God upon us. God is asking that the people leading and spearheading this thing should be killed so that the rest of us will not die. Okay? You can't do as you wish. And he took that action as at that time, 24,000 people had died deaths that would not have happened if the country was living righteously. Do you understand? I want you to know that God is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is. Amen? Please continue. Then the, then the Lord said to Moses, Finals of, of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, the priests had turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. So I, so I stopped destroying all Israel as I, as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. Okay, stop. Do you, no, no, no. I, I, um, you will still continue, but what I say is I pause. I should have said pause. God would have continued to kill Israel. That's what he said. I stopped destroying all Israel as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. I am the one that intended to do it. Some things that you are attributing to Satan are being done by God. Did you hear that? Before you engage a matter in this, you should first of all watch carefully in the spirit. The Bible says watch and pray. Watch precedes pray. Amen. Watch precedes pray. I was going to pray for somebody who was having occasional bouts of madness. And they brought her to me and I was to pray for her and as I began to pray, God opened my eyes and I stopped. As I began, I had not started, as I began, God opened my eyes. Are you Balogun also? Did you marry recently? You are in VGC? You, you were in VGC? Yes. Is this your wife? Bless you. Amen. God opened my eyes and I saw witchcraft things on her leg. There was a witchcraft bango and she was a member of the fellowship. Fellowship of Federal School of Arts and Science in those days. I started that fellowship. After that fellowship I closed. You know, fellowship had been banned. I started a fellowship there. She was a prominent member. And I said, uh-uh. this thing that is on your leg, it pertains to witchcraft and witchcraft activities now. Remove it and give it to me before I pray for you. 
and she was absolutely shocked that I saw it. You know, because you see, we are often deceived. Amen. Say, may God open my eyes. May God open my eyes so that I will not be deceived. I would have been wasting a lot of time. I could even be uh, praying and fasting and doing other things. She was complicit in the whole thing. I said, give me that stuff. And after a while, she looked at me directly and she said, I won't give it to you. I said, then fine. Neither will I pray for you. Matter over. Let's uh, disperse. Finish. And we dispersed. We dispersed. You can't eat your cake and have it. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't be practicing witchcraft and coming to, 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 to also play church. So the devil was making his claim on her by giving her bouts of madness. Because she had something that belonged to the devil. Who asked Jesus any question when he said, the prince of this world cometh and he hath nothing in me? Who asked him? Be careful what the devil has in you. You understand? Be careful what you are carrying from the devil. Eh? If you have anything of the devil, throw it away. Get it off. Get it off. Amen. Get it off. Sometimes people are serving in prominent places in church, but they are witches. They are actually practicing witchcraft. Some of them are practicing, practicing sorcery. Some of them are practicing divination. Amen? There's a church I was being invited to. And then one time I was praying with the pastor and wife. And I said, ah, but I'm seeing snakes now. Why are there so many snakes in this place? In the spirit, I was seeing snakes. I said, why are there so many snakes in this place? What is going on? What on earth is going on? What on earth is going on? Later, I discovered that in the spirit, pastor and wife were snakes. Pastor and wife were snakes, and they had killed and eaten two children of church members. And this was a church that had been invited two or, two or three times. So when I discovered it in the spirit, I summoned a meeting at my house, including that pastor. And the people that I know he had preached in the churches, and the people that he invited, okay, I called many people. And I accosted him. You are an occultist. You in the spirit are a snake. You are the one that did this. You are the one that did that. I made it very open. And we threw it into a public discourse. And we opened it up. We opened it up. And he tried to defend himself. And I gave evidences. I gave evidences. And I told people. I said, this guy... The picture that he sent. Because I went to preach in his church somewhere and he said I should lay hands on him and anoint him. So I took the anointing oil and I anointed him. How can he request for me to anoint him and I won't? Do you understand? I didn't know him too well. Someone just introduced him to me. And he looks a very nice person. And he took that picture and enlarged it and said this is his spiritual father. <laughs> so you can imagine why I took the actions. I 
is not my spiritual son. No. He is not my spiritual son. I have just discovered who he is. You understand? And I kept my distance and I stopped. Don't ever invite him in the name of my spiritual son. Don't invite him. Invite him to your church at your own peril. At your own peril. I tell you, this guy is one of the nicest looking, most well-behaved human beings I've ever seen. But in the spirit, it's a snake. You must watch who you are dealing with. And sometimes you have to be brutal. Do you understand? Because he was appealing to sentiments a lot. That day, ah, Reverend Kole, so you can do this to me. And you are my father. I say, I beg. The devil is your father. I'm not your father. How can I be hobnobbing with... Let me tell you what. After I kept on complaining, but I'm seeing snakes now. But I'm seeing snakes now. And I now began to... Oh, Lord God. May God save us. May God save us. I just remembered that one of the most, one of the most striking things I ever saw actually happened in his church. Because while I was preaching, I was hearing some things like Google, giggle, and I was a bit uncomfortable. Some people are giggling. I'm very much in the spirit preaching. Some people are giggling. Uh, 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 giggling. Then I heard, bow! I opened my eyes and I saw somebody flying in media. Ah. What happened? You know what I discovered happened? I was given a word of knowledge. Now, the person giggling knew that it was his friend that was sitting beside him. I never knew any of them. So, he was now giggling, saying, it's you, it's you, this and this and this and this. That giggling was disturbing and irritating me. Do you know what happened? It was an angel that slapped him. An angel literally came and slapped him, and the moment I heard, bah, and opened my eyes, I, I literally saw somebody flying in media. A slap that carried him from where he was sitting, and flew in media to quite some distance. It was in that church. But do you know what happened? Most people in that church were actually children of God that could not see the identity of this guy. If I could be deceived, I wouldn't blame any of those people who possibly cannot see even things that I can see. You understand? Eh? I was there and I was saying snakes. Why am I seeing snakes? They probably didn't even see. It was later that I, when I kept on saying I was seeing snakes, that people were telling me how snakes used to appear to them and how it was after a snake appeared to so-and-so that the sun 
died. It was after a very, very, and it was coming from that place. When I traced the guy's stuff, eh, he had no known day of giving his life to Christ. He simply liked pastoring and the life of pastors and went through occult connections to start a church. Do you understand? You have a responsibility to discern. You have a responsibility to watch. You have a responsibility to pray. If you do not see things, pray that God will open your eyes. I don't like dabbling in what I don't fully see and I don't fully understand. Nobody knows all things. Do you understand? Nobody knows all things. Nobody. Nobody knows all things. Amen? Many of us, the things that we are contending with, just one opening of your eyes is of more value than 10 years of fasting. Yes. So pray for open eyes. Some people marry out of desperation because they are of age. Then they go and marry Jigon <laughs> Biakun. Be careful. Not everything is what it looks like. This guy later, after I took those actions and I prayed that God will release people that are held in captive and are deceived in that place, that church nearly got wiped out. After. Because the majority of people in the congregation were actually children of God. I find it a mystery. Does it not? Is it not strange to you? Is it strange to you or not? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Maybe that's why God brought me into the picture to release many of those people. Be very careful. And if you yourself, if you are moving with strange people and you are doing strange things, come out of it. Come out of it before God gets on your case. Did you hear that? Come out of it before God gets on your case. Someone was living with me in my house. And I used to sus suspect him of fetish. And some people accused him of being fetish. I was watching. Then one day, he came to make a proposition to me. Let him take me to his uncle, who is an afar. And the uncle will do so and so to me. I laughed. I said, ah, okay. You are the one that wanted me to serve as your referee for going to Bible school? Yes! He wanted me to serve as his referee. He was living with me now. I said, ah, from what I know about you, I will not refer you to anybody else. I will not serve as your referee to anybody. Because that will make me a lie. This is somebody that I once said to you, you have the spirit of an armed robber. Yes. 
I could see he had the spirit of an armed robber. I will now come and sign as his referee. I said, no, go and look for your referee somewhere else. He actually came to proposition me for him to take me to an affair to do something for me to have some success in certain things I wanted to do. I said, if you have the temerity to say that to me, as much as you know me, what are you saying to ordinary people? Because I'm not an ordinary person. No, no, I'm not an ordinary person. So if you can make this offer to me, what offer are you making to your friends that are not born again? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? After a while, I showed him the red card. Yeah. I had no choice. Do you blame me for that? No, I showed him the red card. Though. Amen? Amen. Eh, be careful. <laughs> Not all that glitters is gold. Let your eyes be open. You have a responsibility to keep yourself spiritually pure. Did you get that? Don't get contaminated. Stop wasting time on little things that you use your name, you know, use your name. This one, that's not the issue. It's much more fundamental than that. Let's finish what we were reading. I beg, sorry. Where is... Uh, now, now tell him that I'm making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to be to this priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. Let's stop there. He purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. Some of us are not even able to purify our own children. Shame on you. Our own children, we can't purify them. They become little demons in our very presence. They will not hear anything from anybody. They will not obey anything or anybody. Even you, they don't obey you, they don't fear you. God will clobber you. Because this is the thing that finished Eli, the man of God. And it was the same thing that finished Samuel, the man of God who was brought up by Eli. So, Samuel learned the inability to discipline children from Eli, his foster father. Please continue. The Israelite man killed the Midianite. The Midianite woman... The Maybe they should rewind. Rewind okay. to the previous one. The Israelite man killed. The Israelite man killed with the Midianite woman. Okay, was named Zimri, son of Salu, the leader of a family from the tribe of Simeon. The woman's name was Cosby. She was the daughter of Zor, the leader of a Midianite clan. Then, then the Lord said to Moses, "Attack the Midianites and destroy them." Because they assaulted you with deceit and tricked you into worshipping Baal of Peor. And because of Cosby, the, the daughter of a Midianite leader, who was, a ki who was killed at the time of the plague because of what happened at Peor. Yeah, I think that's the last. That's it. Thank you. 
So watch this. When God is dissatisfied with a people, God himself can bring punishment and death upon them. So all your analysis of the circumstances leading to it may be futile because the root of the matter is deeper than that. You understand? Now, Finney has took responsibility for making Israel pure before God. He took the responsibility for diverting the wrath of God away from Israel. No human being gave him the responsibility. It's a standing responsibility. In the same way you have a standing responsibility within your sphere of influence. If you rise up to that responsibility, you will receive blessings from God. If you shock that responsibility, God can clobber your head. 24,000 people had died. There was no war. It's not recorded how they were killed. Heart attack, plague, whatever. But they were dying. And God was determined to kill a lot more. If not for Finney House. So now you know about Finney House. And the covenant of peace. Right? Now number two. The opposite of Finney House was Meros. Judges 5.23. Judges 5.23. It says. Cause ye Meros said the angel of the Lord, cause ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, the inhabitants of Meros, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. <laughs> Is that not strange? How can God need help? How can God need help? That's a big question. It's something I will interrogate. Now look at it in New Living Trans uh, Translation. Let the people of Meros be caused, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly caused, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. And the message puts it like this. Cause Meros, says God's angel. Cause, double cause, its people. Because they didn't come when God needed them. They didn't rally to God's side with valiant fighters. What was the thing that happened? The cities of Israel were supposed to come out to war and fight the battle of the Lord for the preservation of Israel. But the power of Meros refused. They reneged. They abdicated. They drew back. They kept back and end the course. Finally, has rose up and he won the covenant of peace. Meros held back and end the course. What are you doing to yourself? Are you earning a blessing? or you are heaping a curse upon yourself. Are you like Finney House in the matters under your influence, or you are like Meros? So those are two people. Now three, David availed for the whole of Israel. David took responsibility for taking on Goliath. He saved Israel from becoming servants and tribute payers to the Philistines. Look at the terms of Goliath's challenge, 1 Samuel 17, 8-9. 1 Samuel 17, 8 to 9. 
And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? Are you servants of Saul? Go on. Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servant. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then ye shall be our servants and serve us. That was the term of this guy's challenge. That was the term of Goliath's challenge. Nobody put that responsibility upon David. Did you hear that? Nobody did. David took up that responsibility and we know what happened. Israel was saved from becoming servants and tribute payers to the Philistines because David rose up. Now the fourth one is the intercessors for Jerusalem. They were spared the judgment. Ezekiel 9.4 Ezekiel 9.4 And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. God was going to destroy Jerusalem for its sins and for all manner of iniquity that they were in. Okay? But he said, there are some people who have isolated themselves for this and they are sighing and crying for these things and they are praying about it and they are repenting. Set a mark upon them. Then when the destroying angel comes, eh? kill at random. Kill anybody. But don't touch anybody that has that mark. In the day of judgment for many things, is there going to be a mark upon you? Will you be exempt? This is not a matter of prayer. It's a matter of what you do. It's a matter of your spiritual activity. Amen? So, often there is need for a responsibility taker. Okay? There is need for a responsibility taker. Oh my, I forgot the, this is verse 29, I forgot to put the chapter. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none. Who knows which place is this? Tell me. Have they got it? Ezekiel 22. Very well. Ezekiel 22, 29. Let me put it there. God sometimes seeks for people that will stand in the gap. It makes a lot of difference whether you are praying whether you are interceding or not. Amen? It makes a lot of difference. There's a place for volunteering. Isaiah 6, 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell these people, blah, 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 blah. 
Sometimes God is searching. Make yourself available. And finally, I'm now going to talk about Nigeria. Amen. The reality is that many countries in the world were formed without the will nor consent of its own people due to colonization. In Nigeria, the British set up northern Nigeria, they set up southern Nigeria for their own economical, economic and political interests. And then 1914, they said, okay, let's join them together. They amalgamated us into one country called Nigeria. They didn't, they didn't speak to any of us. They didn't ask for our permission. They didn't ask whether it suits us or not. Okay? Now, why shouldn't many of these people be instinctively rebellious and hostile to the very idea of their country? There are many people that feel that, look, Nigeria was put together not by our will. So they resent Nigeria completely. They don't want to be. Some people are so disgusted by the terms of our union that they see it as a form of servitude. There's a lot of sectional injustice in Nigeria. So, let's not pretend that you can't see it. We can see it. You see, we need one new Nigeria. And I have this message to our unwilling citizens. Because there are unwilling citizens in every part of Nigeria. Some people don't like the fact Niger that Nigeria is not an Islamic nation. They want us to be the Islamic Republic of Nigeria by force. So they don't recognize the authorities of Nigeria. They say they only recognize the authority of Allah. So they don't want to be Nigerians. Some people also feel that their section of the country will be better off without the rest. You understand? That these people are disturbing us. Are you aware of that? I mean, these people are disturbing us now. Okay? The present Nigeria, as it is constructed, is an anomaly and um, it is a grotesque political construction. Grotesque, ugly, dysfunctional. The sum of the parts. Eh? is less than the individual parts. We are disturbing each other and holding each other back. Nigeria would have been better off if it had a better structure. You see, what we need is a new Nigeria. We don't need a breakup. We need a restructuring. We don't need a breakup. I personally believe that God doesn't want Nigeria to break. I had inquired from God long ago, and that's what he told me. The forces that are at work to make people want to desire not to be Nigerians or to desire the country to break up are contrary to the will of God. If you don't believe me, go and ask God. We all have access to God. Do you understand? Many Christians are joining the people who are saying, when we are talking of breaking, there will be no end to breaking. No? Do you understand? 
there'll be no end to breaking. There's a divine purpose for Nigeria. The people of God must have that understanding. Let us not pray amiss. Are you hearing me? Let's not pray amiss. Okay? The answer is to restructure Nigeria. Certain parties don't want to restructure for selfish reasons. People that don't have oil, they don't want to restructure so that they can still be sharing oil revenue that they have not produced. Everybody says nobody put the oil there. And in the same way now, we all have land. And we all have people. Okay? Unless the people are able to organize themselves, identify, sponsor, and mandate people, there will be no positive change. Okay? Uh, our present president promised us change. He said he will provide security. Eh? There has been no time ever in the history of Nigeria where insecurity is as pervasive as it is today. No time. I can tell you that during the Civil War, insecurity was limited to the East. Do you understand? It was limited to the East. Today, there is insecurity everywhere. Zamfara in the Northwest. The whole of the Northeast. Then, the Middle Belt. Then, even the South. There is insecurity everywhere. And most of it doesn't even make any sense. What does it, most of it doesn't make any sense. A few weeks ago, Boko Haram went into an IDP, Internet Displaced Persons Camp, eh? and killed 25 doctors, among others. Killed 25 doctors. Some of them youth coppers. I mean, just got there and killed them. Killed them. The president went to, is it Plateau State? He was launching tractors. While the president was there, the horsemen came, ransacked some villages, and just murdered five people. And the man was there looking like, you see, we have a problem. When he was campaigning, he said there is insecurity. He will provide security. He will defeat Boko Haram. He will do this one. He will do that one. Okay, this guy is not succeeding in doing it. So, you go there. Please do it. Oh. He is even worse. He's worse. My son is in as we are speaking. Now, now. He's in Taraba State. Eh? He got from a distant place, went to his local government headquarters. The next day after he got there, there were corpses all over the street. Random killings are taking place. We said, wait, oh. wait before you go back because they can meet you on the way and kill you. So we said, we are waiting, we are waiting, we are waiting. We said, you should maybe go tomorrow. Then, just yesterday, they woke up again. More corpses all over the place, randomly. Randomly. I mean, this is what is going on. Randomly. So you say, ah, let him run back, run back. Run back from where? You are going to go through roads. It's random killings. 
The primary duty of government is to secure life and property. Now we have a government that is unable to do it. Come on, give me a break. And instead of addressing it, they are doing legislation. Death penalty for hate speech. Because somebody is not going to say, this is hate speech. So we are going to kill you. This your hate speech is why somebody killed somebody. So we are going to kill you. Are we serious? Are we serious? We are the ones that voted for people that are doing that kind of law. Headsmen are killing people openly. You didn't disarm them. You now want to disarm the people that are defending them when you are not able to defend them. Do you understand? Satan is on the rampage in your country. In the olden days, they said Jonathan was clueless. Eh? Okay, so now, the entire security forces of the country cannot secure life or property anywhere. You are in Edo State, they come, they kill you. You are in uh, Ondo State, they come, they kill you. Anywhere, they come, they kill you. Question. Is God punishing us? Don't write it off. Don't write it off. The 24,000 people that were killed, is it not the Bible that tells us that it was God doing it and he was prepared to do more until finally has intervened? Do we need you as a finally has to intervene? What kind of intervention is needed? How will you do it? When will you do it? How will you know what to do? This is not normal. This is not normal. Please. It's not normal. You may think it's not gotten to you. Eh? The 24,000 didn't get to, any, to, to everybody. But we may need to put a halt. We may need to do some spiritual action. We may need to do some natural action. Do you understand me? When the security forces wanted to stop a Kano and his iPod, they did it too. They did it very well. When they wanted to stop uh, the Shiites, El Zagzaki, they did it all. They did it all. The security forces don't want to stop these killings. They don't. Do you understand? They don't. The question is why? And we cannot be talking of us and them. Because let me tell you another mystery. Since Nigeria became a country, we have never had as high a number of born-again people in government as we have today. Never. Never. Go and check your statistics. Never. So we are part of the problem. As I blame Buhari, I blame myself, and I blame you. 
Our points of blame are different. May God teach us what to do. May God teach us how to handle this thing. Apostle John was in a, a Bedouin state, I think, um, yesterday or day before, to commiserate with them. He was saying that we have to get to the root of this thing. We don't know what is going on. People just come and kill whoever they see and go away. Government knows who they are, where they came from, but they don't do anything. What are they gaining? And don't think it's only Muslim Christian. No. Some of the people being killed are Muslims too. Do you understand? Some of the people being killed are Muslims too. Go and look at the Dapchi girls. Many of them are Muslims too. There is a problem. We can't be praying religion and talking Bible, quoting Bible anyhow, without opening our eyes. There is a problem in our land that requires action from us. The question is, what should we be doing and are we doing it? What should we be doing and are we doing it? May God find us useful. We need to stay in the presence of God for him to teach us, for him to guide us. We cannot continue like this. We cannot also keep on pointing fingers because we are all guilty together. We are the salt of this nation. We are the light. We have power on our knees. We have power with God. We are complicit in these things. Amen? Before we pray, if there's anyone that would like to make their peace with God, you would like to give your life to Christ, you would like to give your life to Christ, please raise up your hand where you are. The Spirit of God has ministered to you. You would like to give your life to Christ or you would like to return your life to Christ, having taken it away. There are two persons that God is calling specifically and they have not raised their hands. Two persons. Just defeat the devil. Raise up your hand. Raise up your hand so that you can take on from where God wants you. Yes, that's one of them. Where is the second person? There's, okay, please give, give him the card. Amen. Amen. Give that person too. Amen. You see, God has his eyes on you and God wants you to live for him and in him. We are passing through this world. May your eternity be blissful. May it be with God in heaven. May your name not be missing from the Lamb's book of life. May we as a collective not be found wanting in our spiritual duties to this country. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you.